podcast hello and welcome to the aj on the line portuguese grand prix review my name is adam williams and this week i'm joined by my guests jimmy and joe and we discuss dissect and talk about all the talking points that came out of the portugal race last weekend we also look forward to the spanish grand prix which is just this weekend so i hope that you enjoy what you're about to listen to there you go sorted hello and welcome to the aj on the line podcast directed it seems by jimmy now um welcome to this week i hope you enjoyed the race in portugal portamal the algarve whatever you want to call it is pretty and it was pretty good wasn't it boys it was very good i thought it was a cracking race here's just a quick rundown on what happened valtteri bottas led away from pole position uh, he did well to beat Hamilton and Verstappen. It seemed like Verstappen made a mistake to not get pole position, um, but we'll, we'll get on to those mistakes. And it was a fairly standard start without much action uh, up until a Finn crashed into his teammate on, on lap two, wasn't it? Yeah, Raikkonen, a season pro. Uh, not so much, I feel. Very much a rookie error. Yeah, indeed. Um, but anyway, that brought out a safety car whilst they cleared up the Finn's car. And, and the bits and bobs that he dropped all over the track. Um, and that left the opportunity for Bottas to control the race start. And he caught Lewis Hamilton off guard, didn't he? And it was actually Max Verstappen that capitalised on that opportunity. Do you think that Lewis could have done better? Or are, are you damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you're in second place on a, a restart like that, Joe? Well, I heard after the race him talking about how he, he looked for a second in his mirrors to see where Max was, and in that second, Valtteri happened to go. Um, I thought he was going to wait for the line as well. So it was, yeah, I don't think there was very much he could have done. But he recovered it with a great overtake up the inside of Max Verstappen just a few laps later. And, and then he went round the outside of Valtteri Bottas and looked in control from there um elsewhere daniel ricardo recovered from a poor qualifying performance to get back up to ninth place his teammate norris did well to finish fifth he holds on to third in the championship remarkable considering there's bottas and perez also in the championship in superior cars but yes let's move into the awards and and break it down a bit more and have more of a debate rather than me rambling on. The first award for this week, as usual, is the biggest winner. Jimmy, who's your biggest winner for the Portuguese Grand Prix? Uh, I have to say it's uh, Lewis, to be honest. Uh, I, I think that he did tremendously well to come back from, uh, you know, a third and a minor error with Verstappen. But, you know, it shows his class that he can come and sort it out and uh, still win the race, which is fantastic. I was really trying to think of a different answer, but you you kind of have to give it to Lewis Hamilton. And um, we'll get on to Joe's opinion. I don't know if it is different. Um, hopefully he's been more creative than us, but we, we never know. I think we were discussing beforehand how this race was perceived by many on Twitter for some reason as boring. Now, if another driver other than Hamilton had pulled off what he did, I think people would still be talking about it now as, oh, what a race that was, what performance. But because we've become accustomed to that sort of performance, 
by Hamilton. It's it's kind of weakened. I was going to say weaken the flavour, but that's that's not quite the right word. It's diluted um, the vigour of of his performance, um, and that's what Toto Wolf was saying. How exceptional has become customary for him. But Joe, can you rescue us from this very quick slam dunk, or do you agree? Well, I wrote down. A few things, because like you, I was trying to come up with a, a more creative answer. I think it does always come back to Lewis. But just for the sake of variety, I will say Alpine, because they've. I was very underwhelmed by them in the first two races. Um, and Ocon did very well all weekend and then Alonso really came alive in the second half of the race. He was the most interesting thing about that second half of the race, really. Uh, absolutely flying along and it's looking good for them to maybe start to close the gap to the really fast midfield cars like the McLaren and the Ferrari. Yeah, Alonso was on, on the pace of the leaders if if you looked at his pace uh, in that second half and he was really impressive and like you say, Ocon, where did he qualify? Sixth place? Yeah, sixth down to seventh. Given that Alpine have been struggling to get into Q3, that, mm-hmm. that's quite an improvement. Um, I wonder whether it's the, the slower corners. Um, so hopefully that, that will suit them also in Barcelona, but more so Monaco coming up and perhaps Baku to a certain extent. So there's a, a few races where they could potentially do well from... That if that that is the characteristic of the car, where do you think that Alpine fit into the rankings uh, in that midfield? Because it's close, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, I certainly think they're behind McLaren and Ferrari. Um, there's no question about that, really. Um, it's interesting. It's hard to compare them to really Alpha Tauri because one minute it looks like a rocket ship, that Alpha Tauri, and then the next minute it just doesn't look on the money at all. Um, so I I would put them just behind McLaren and Ferrari overall, to be honest, the third best midfield team. Which is almost what you would expect, given that it's a works team. Yep. And and it's kind of on a it's on a budget compared to Ferrari and Mercedes and Red Bull, so it's quite impressive. Jimmy McLaren have done so well to be in in third position, given that it's not a works team. They they've really maximised that Mercedes engine, and gelled as a team. Yeah, uh, I think Lando did really well passing. He passed, uh, did, did a brilliant move on uh, Ocon, um, and then he passed uh, Perez on on the restart. And yeah, he he's he's a solid driver. He's really coming to his own this year. Um, you know, Dangle did really well as well. Um, but I yeah, I think that I think his stint, the the second stint that he did, wasn't particularly. Very good, you know. McLaren, I I heard that. Who's that, Daniel? Daniel, yeah. McLaren were trying to get sort of seventh, eighth place, and uh, it didn't really pay off for him. He didn't really have the pace, unfortunately. Um, but you know, he's he's showing signs, and he's suddenly getting more competitive, which is a, a really positive sign. Yeah, I I had Daniel Ricciardo down as the biggest loser this weekend. Um, I think it's a bit harsh to put him in that category. I feel like he he should he he probably hasn't been in that category through most of his career um, but that was a hammer blow being knocked out in Q3 in, in what is the third fastest car a lot of the drivers that, that are new to teams we've talked about the fact that they're 
struggling to get up to speed, especially with limited preseason testing. But if you look at the likes of Perez and Sainz, they're looking more comfortable in the team than than Daniel, and it's something that he really does need to work on because in in Portimao you can overtake, but that's not necessarily the case in the next couple of races in Barcelona and Monaco. Do you think that it makes it more difficult for Daniel that he looks across at, at Lando Norris, who seems to be in form at the moment, Joe? Yeah, well, I actually agreed with you. I, I also had Danny Rick down as the uh, biggest loser this week, um, thinking alike again, probably not good for either of us. Um, but yeah, I had him as biggest loser as well. Um, and as you say, I do put it almost entirely down to him being in that new team. You know, I rate Danny Rick very highly. You know, I think he could be even the third best driver on the grid, really. But he's coming to a new team and he's up against someone who's really established in that team. The te- He's been a really integral part of the team for quite a while. So that must be a really hard environment to come into for him. Um I, I think we'll start to see him come into form later on in the season, but it's a big challenge for him. But I have no, no doubt he'll overcome it. Do you both think that this is Daniel's biggest challenge to date in Formula 1? Uh, you, you know, in, in terms of overcoming this deficit to Lando Norris, who's obviously so entrenched in the team that he lives just outside the gates of Woking. Um, if you look at Carlos Sainz, for example... He, he's spoken about how he was present at Maranello, Ferrari's base, even more so than Ferrari were expecting and they were kind of looking around for stuff that he could do to be useful. Uh, do you think that it's difficult for Daniel to be as effective living in Monaco rather than in Woking just by the team factory? I think that Lando's got a brilliant relationship with McLaren because he lives so close as well, so he can just pop into the factory, as you were saying. The other thing is I think Seidel and Brown absolutely love Lando. You can see that he's coming to his own. He's comfortable in the team now. Um, it is quite difficult with Daniel. And I think that's probably compounded by coronavirus. I mean, you can't really go wherever you want nowadays. You know, you have to have tests. You have to have all sorts of things. Um, so that certainly hasn't sort of uh, helped him. Um, but yeah, there's other, other drivers of not had an issue but again they've been in their teams longer so Hamilton I don't think he spends much time in the factory to be honest um, but he's very comfortable in his team now um, but yeah I think maybe if he spends a bit more time in the factory and on the simulator he might be a bit more comfortable uh, and if you on that point as well science was close to uh, the McLaren Technology Centre as well and he did superbly last year and he moved to um, moved to England when he joined McLaren yeah you're right so, yeah, p- perhaps that's a way. McLaren keep on putting it down to just having time behind the wheel, don't they, Joe? Do you think that he'll be able to dial into the car around Barcelona, a track that he knows so well? Yeah, um, as I said before, I don't have any doubts that he'll integrate into the team eventually. I mean, if if you were going to say one driver that seems to really integrate really well into wherever he goes Daniel Ricciardo is one of them and if there's one team that seems to really integrate their drivers very well at the moment it has to be McLaren um, which you know you wouldn't have said quite a few years ago so that's quite a big change in the culture and atmosphere at that team it shows the progress that they're making Um, it shows why Danny Rick moved there in the first place I'd say the progress the movement forward um, 
and I think he'll be on board with that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think there is a really exciting atmosphere around McLaren. And I, I know I can't feel it as well because we're all watching from home, but I definitely feel it. I'm sure you do too. Uh, Jimmy, who's your biggest loser? Because Joe and I have gone for Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, I would probably say George Russell, simply because it was a really good qualifying position 11th. He looked like he could get some points. And he just went backwards, unfortunately, didn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think the Williams was that good on race pace because Latifi got passed by Mick Schumacher in the closing laps, um, which probably wouldn't be the sort of norm because, obviously, Haas aren't developing their car. So they, you would expect them to be slower. Then again, you know, it's um, it's one of those things. I think that the Williams car, the way that they've designed it, they're aiming to be... It's, it's kind of a peaky performance where they're going to be good at some circuits such as Imola where they could quite, well, they, they could quite tangibly score points unless someone blows it by crashing into the side of Bottas. But in other tracks such as Portimao, they're going to be off the pace. So I, I see where you're coming from. George Russell did well in qualifying but was nowhere in race pace. And I think that was because the car is designed for qualifying as well from what I understand and and that really showed to be true in the way that once George Russell got into traffic he said it was undrivable so it's not giving George the experience is it being in that Williams I saw a quote saying that George Russell will probably learn more from one year in a Mercedes than he will in in a Williams over five years uh, because there's only a certain amount that you can uh, get from going around in a midfield to to back of the grid sort of car like that. Um, So in that sense, I would agree he is probably a a loser from that situation. This weekend, though, it's going to be Ricardo who's the biggest loser. Hopefully, he can turn those losses into positives um, as we head into Barcelona. But I'm interested to hear what Joe's moment of the weekend is. I have to say it was Lewis's overtakes, particularly the one on Verstappen. Um, just because it was so, it felt so important at the time. Um, Verstappen jumping him at the safety car, um, you know, big implications for the championship. For him to come back from some from an issue straight away again, um, from a setback, turning it into a positive, um, and going on to win. It's just it was just such a huge moment, um, and obviously seeing Max actually make a small mistake on the uh, exit of is it turn fourteen, fifteen, yes. fourteen, uh, um, fourteen. Yeah, it was. You know, it shows how hard it is to drive with that uh, with that Mercedes filling your uh, filling your rear mirrors. So, yeah, another big moment in the championship and the sort of mentality going forwards. And it's been three races with three different battles uh, wheel to wheel between those two so it's really meeting the expectations of, of the hype thus far isn't it yeah it's what we all, it's what we all wanted to see and luckily it's what we are seeing so far yeah something tells me that there may be less wheel to wheel battling in monaco <laughs> but that that's going to be a different type of battle and it's it's about who makes the least amount of mistakes so i think that's a great shout and i nearly had that as mine. Jimmy, what's your moment of the race? 
I'd say my if I had my one moment, it would be Hamilton overtaking Bottas around the around the outside. That was an amazing move. Um, I mean, it just shows that he's yeah, and the way he he won as well. Um, it, it's just incredible. He just breezed through, and uh, yeah, he, he's just miles ahead of Bottas. I mean, it's brilliant to have Verstappen and and Hamilton at it trying to win the championship. Um, but yeah, it, it's just incredible to see two drivers with the identical machinery. One's doing so much better. Um, but in regards to the moment, it's that overtake with Bottas. I would say you love a, an outside overtake, do you? I do indeed. Yeah, it could have been a big, a huge crash, um, a very embarrassing crash from Mercedes as well. But if Ro- I, I, not my place to say really, but if Rosberg was Bottas, there'd probably have been a big crash. Uh, but he wasn't, so it was all fine. Uh, so that's good. I almost feel as though those two moments, they they were the moments of the first half of the race. But for me, I loved the kind of fastest lap shootout towards the end. Uh, the, the bonus point for a, a fastest lap of the race. That's something that we thought was a bit gimmicky, perhaps, uh, when it was introduced. Likewise, we might have thought that about DRS, but... Without those two things, the race might have been a little bit boring in the, in the same way that a lot of people are characterising it to be. Max Verstappen, oh, sorry. Go on. Max Verstappen, do you know when they parked at the car and they did the post-race interviews? Yes. And he was saying, oh, at least they got a bonus point. You know, it's a really good lap at the end. And then Duresta, or was it the yeah, Duresta? I think it would have, uh, it, it was Duresta. He said, no, Max, you didn't get that lap. You did, he got track limits. And he said, what turn? And I think it was the last final turn. Yeah. Wasn't it? And he said, he got all in the sulk and he said, oh, that, that doesn't even count because it's track, oh, it wasn't, track limits don't count there or something like that. That was quite funny. I thought that was, yeah. Yeah, there, there were two spicy moments in part Verme on Saturday and Sunday. Did you see on Saturday where he kind of pushed the camera away when he was frustrated with, once again, yeah. making the mistake on track limits? I, I think it's good, though, that they are being vigilant with these track limits, as I said last week um, or two weeks ago or whenever it was um because it is going this championship is going to come down to who makes the fewest mistakes and if you are going to let drivers get away with doing that sort of thing for that advantage then you you might as well let the footballers decide whether they've scored a goal or not uh, it, there needs to be a line drawn and for that line to be adhered to so i think it's good uh but yeah the step and Thought he had the fastest lap over the line, but as Jimmy said, he made the mistake and Bottas managed to get it. Um, I I did like the whole idea of Perez. Obviously, he had to go on to softs uh, because he pitted quite late anyway, and he was always going to go for the fastest lap to take it off Hamilton. And then because Perez was doing it, Bottas did it, and that forced Max into it. It's, It's great because it means that you have a qualifying session at the end of a race. Maybe that that's a better idea than having a race in, instead of qualifying. Um, but <laughs> on 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 the flip side of that, we were quite sceptical of having that rule brought in on on the bonus point, and it it's turned out to be a great thing. So while I personally, I can get your thoughts in a minute. I think that this sprint qualifying idea uh, it's not necessarily going to add something that I personally want uh, to Formula One. We have the current format that we know and love because people 
were brave enough to make those changes. So you, you've got to at least try something and then we'll see what happens. But yeah, what, what do you both think about the sprint qualifying format that is being brought to three races this season? Go on, Jimmy, you start us off. Um, I think it's brilliant that F1 are trying something different, but I still think, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they did say sort of had a greater points advantage. So, you know, at this, now I think it's first gets three points, then two, then one or something stupid like that. Um, but but I think that if it was 12, 10, 8 and so on and so forth, like half points, uh, it will mean that the drivers take a lot more risks because there'll be greater reward. Um, but yeah, I think that I think it's a, a nicer to see a change. Uh, would potentially, I'd love to see a reverse grid at some point um, because that would just have so many benefits and it'd be exciting. And you know, obviously the big teams. The, the one thing that does annoy me as well is is the big teams always have a say in the rules. And I mean, you know, it's all very well, but surely they should be imposed and you know obviously there needs to have broad sort of agreement with all the different teams but it's sort of like yeah I, I don't quite get why the teams have got such a bigger influence than Formula 1 uh, I don't think that should be right I think just before we get Joe's point of view on the sprint qualifier I think the reason for that probably dates back to Bernie Eccleston coming from a team saying that he, he drew up the uh, Concord Agreement, didn't he, on behalf of all of the teams. So that that has kind of led on to what, what we see today as F1. And I think slowly Liberty Media are taking away those those kind of powers from the teams. Uh, but it's, it's easier said than done. Joe, what do you think of the sprint qualifying? Um, well, I'm not wholly against F1 trying new ideas. I don't... I'm trying to remember how I felt a few years ago with the fastest lap point. I don't think I was particularly against it, and I do agree that it has spiced up the final few laps. But in general, I'm often quite quite against a lot of the changes. And with the sprint race, I am against it. I think it's an interesting point Jimmy's raised about the teams being in charge. But when... The te- if the teams weren't in charge, and I'm not saying I'm for the teams being in charge, but once the teams aren't in charge anymore, you then end up with sort of Liberty Media being in charge of the rules. And you're then aiming the rules more to sort of... Uh, it's The rules almost become like a marketing thing. It becomes an entertainment. The rules are designed to get... It becomes an entertainment. And I don't want to see any rules come in that devalue sort of the sporting integrity over entertainment obviously i want f1 to be as entertaining as possible but i don't want to see sporting integrity devalued because of that um so it's it's an interesting debate and obviously i understand that f1 needs fans and all that and we want exciting races but i would much prefer that we address that by sort of uh making the field more even than mixing it up and f- almost forcing the entertainment if you get what I mean. I get what you mean completely. Very good point. But what I would say is from my perspective it's not even mixing it up. It would be mixing it up if it was reverse grid. Yeah. On a Saturday, but it's not. It's just a 100 kilometer extension of the race onto a Saturday. Um and it means that there's more racing taking place which can only be a good thing. But 
yeah, I, I personally, like most F1 fans, grew up seeing Sunday, that's race day, that's the Grand Prix, that's the most important thing. So that's why I would worry about too much emphasis in terms of points. I see what you're saying, Jimmy, about the drivers wanting more, but I don't want a championship to be won on a Saturday afternoon rather than a Sunday because that devalues the Grand Prix. And that should be the most important thing, in my opinion. But I revert back to my previous point. We do need to try something new. And at least we got Stefano De Milicali at the helm because he's he's an F1 man through and through, isn't he? Yeah, and I, I don't envy the job because, I mean, any, any changes are probably going to be met with uh, indifference from uh, hardcore F1 fans such as ourselves. Um but I mean, F one wouldn't be where it would where it is today without changes. I mean, I'm sure plenty of people probably change uh, complained when they changed the qualifying format from that one where they went all one at a time um, to what we have to what we have now. Well, we think it's ridiculous, but I'm sure there are some uh, some people ten years older than us going. Oh, I remember back in the good old days where they all went round one at a time, and then in ten years we'll be going. Oh, I remember the good old days where we had Q one, two, and three. It was so much better. So it's an interesting one. So, I think we'll agree to disagree because there were three brilliant parts of that weekend or that race, as it were. So, it can't be that boring, can it? Um, anyway, <laughs> that was that was a little bit sassy. But we move on <laughs> to the honourable mention. And now I've got to say, for me, I feel like I should give it to Alonso or Schumacher. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a bit controversial. I'm going to give it to Pato O'Ward. Wrong series though, isn't he? You know you know who he is, right? Now, Pato O'Ward, a young Mexican IndyCar driver who won his first race for McLaren... Now, I, I don't watch IndyCar as much, but significantly, Zach Brown is the team principal for McLaren on that side of the pond as well. And he's promised award a test in an F1 car. Now, I see this. Yes, it's not as important as, say, Hamilton winning uh, the, the Portuguese Grand Prix. But this weekend could be significant in terms of the future of drivers moving over from IndyCar into F1 is seen as a less valuable series and yes i know he's mexican but say an american driver came over from indycar to f1 that that would really increase uh, the the significance of of the sports series in america and it, it's probably what f1 is missing uh, in, in terms of being popular over there and becoming properly international uh, in terms of being watched and competed now I wanted to get your views on why you think that IndyCar is less um, valuable than even F2 in terms of FIA points. Mm. Um, do you think it's just a snobbery thing uh, from the Europeans or do you think it's down to genuine skill? The drivers over there aren't as good. Well, I don't, I don't think IndyCar can really be compared with F1. I think the driver, the field quality in F1 is definitely more consistent. As I say, I don't watch a lot of IndyCar, but I keep up to date, you know, ish. Um, but 
Um, so I certainly see no reason why it's valued less than F2. I mean, I understand that F2 is sort of part of this uh, this pathway that the FIA have that, you know, young single-seater drivers are supposed to go through. But at the end of the day, IndyCar is um, a series that's at the top of its ladder. You know, you get, you know, the Indy 500 is, you know, up with the Monaco Grand Prix and uh, Le Mans three biggest races in the world um and you get top top drivers there i mean alonso went over and he he looked good but nothing special obviously that's down to experiencing the car but um yeah and there was an interesting quote i think it was mario andretti who was saying how you know that there's no reason why someone like Mazepin should get a seat whereas a top indie car driver shouldn't even be considered that that is wrong so there's, the, there's yeah. the other point also that if you're an indie car driver that's winning over there why would you give up winning an indie car to be in a midfield team that mm. probably can't beat Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen uh would you yeah. do it, Jimmy um I think indie car is a is a good series um but yeah I I, I like I do. The reason why I like Formula One is because the complexity of a Formula One car and the complexity of a Indy car are completely worlds apart. You know, I'm, I'm not sure about IndyCar, but I doubt they've got a hybrid system. But that um, shouldn't take away from driving ability, should it? Well, no, I agree. I agree. But I think I remember Roman Grosjean, his first Indy car experience, he said that there's so much easier to drive in the Formula One car. And that, that wasn't because they're less physical or anything like that. It's because of the error and everything like that. So I think that it takes more skill potentially. That's also in comparison to a Haas, which we, we know to be a complete... Melon. <laughs> melon, would you say? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, a lemon. We'll say a, a lemon. A lemon. One of the two. A lemon. Uh, yeah. Jimmy, let's not talk about IndyCar anymore on this F1 podcast. That's my fault. Brilliant. Wrong um, series, right? No, no worries. Yeah. What or who is your honourable mention this weekend? Alonso. He didn't have the best qualifying, I feel. Um, and, and you know, he, he pulled it out of the bag. He did some brilliant, brilliant overtakes. Uh, he overtook Science. Yeah, and Ricardo. It shows that there is life in the old dog yet. Uh, at the age of 40, I think he is, isn't he? Or nearly 40. So, you know, that bodes well for him. He's got another year next year. Just quickly, Jimmy, do you reckon Alonso can get a podium this year? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, simply because the car's not there. Joe, who are you going to give the honourable mention or what? I feel like there are several weeks I could do this, uh, but I'm going to go with this week because they made a difference again. I'm going to go with the Red Bull pit crew because, once again, they did a stop at a crucial moment over a second faster than Mercedes. Um, and it's what allowed Verstappen to get ahead of Bottas for a cru- what could be a crucial position, and they make the difference time and time again. Um, you know, it's it's unbelievable the the amount of sub two and a half second stops they do. Whereas you know, with Mercedes, you're are they going to get it under three? You know, they might mess up. I've I never doubt that Red Bull are going to get a two and a half second stop. No issue. Um, the only team even close to them is Williams sometimes. Um, but, yeah, I just think they they deserve a mention. 
I can't think of a better one this week, and they they made the difference again this week. So that's a great yeah. answer. Out of the box thinking, I like it a lot. I think I like that. Out of are the we, pit box, are we going to agree? <laughs> yeah, oh, very good. I like that. I think yeah. I'm I'm willing to <laughs> yeah, give it definitely. to Red we Bull's do. pit crew rather than award. Park Alonso on the shelf and put it <laughs> to the, the, the the Red Bull pit crew. I agree. You know. Alonso earns a lot of money. They earn very, not not very little, but I mean, they earn relatively a lot less than Alonso. And arguably, they've done a better job. That's brilliant. Yeah. So, finally, let's go on to the AJ on the line, line of the weekend. Joe, I'll let you go first with this one. Well, I mean, they've led to so many brilliant uh, lines in the past. Um, And it's, of course, the, uh, the blue flags. Or in this case, the lack thereof, blue flags. Um, Lewis Hamilton cruising up behind a, a Red Bull, um, wondering why it's not getting out of his way. No idea that he sat in second. Um, he thinks he's been leading the whole second half of the race. Um, so obviously he's got to be reminded, as he breezes straight past him, that it is in fact for the lead of the Portuguese Grand He's Prix. Casually taking the lead by accident. I, I had that written down as a potential one. To be fair, that was good. Uh, Jimmy, anything else? No, no I, I agree with Jay. I think that's a it's very good. You know, it's a very good comment that was because it's, it's quite funny. Jimmy easily swayed by Joe there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll go on to mine then. Just finally. So, Nico Rosberg, who is quickly coming, one of my favourite TV pundits for Formula 1, he's just got no-nonsense, 100% truth and great insight. But he came out with two interesting points. So, he said that Max Verstappen is starting to find out how good Lewis Hamilton is. But he also said that Verstappen is making too many mistakes. Now, that, that kind of sums up what this championship is all about it's it's about the young star max verstappen in his first battle since maybe go-karting uh for a championship um up against the really polished and experienced lewis hamilton and it's about who makes the least amount of mistakes and verstappen's made mistakes to lose a pole lose a win and a fastest lap as helmet marco also said god i'm doing a lot of quotes here and that it's going to make the difference in terms of the title. What do you think about the title then, uh, Jimmy? Do you think that it's, it's going to be about who can make the least mistakes? Do you think that Max is making too many? I think Hamilton's going to win. I'll come straight out of it. Um, I think that Verstappen, last year and the year before, he can complain that he hadn't got the better car and that, you know, Lewis is better and the Mercedes are like lightning bolts and the Red Bulls keep crashing and, uh, you know, uh, breaking down and all that sort of thing. Um, and it's now, it has to be up to Verstappen to prove that he can get close or beat him. The pressure's on Verstappen, in my opinion, completely. Another quote from Nico Rosberg. Is it really? Uh, Look at that. Max has 10 times more pressure. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's very true. Words that's of the wisdom. Thing. Red Bull, uh, I think they've got a faster car in most tracks. Mercedes had a quicker car this weekend slightly but it is very close so that's where it comes down to the drivers right how do you see this this going down do you think max is making too many mistakes i'm not sure about too many mistakes i mean i think they've both made mistakes it's just lewis's haven't been quite as costly he got 
you know, he did get very lucky with the red flag. I mean, he recovered brilliantly after getting that break. There's no doubt about it. But he did get very lucky with the red flag. And he also did make a mistake going into um, the hairpin in Bahrain as well that also didn't turn out to be very costly. I think the difference is Max is making his mistakes at very crucial moments and they're visibly costing him points. Um, I think the other thing is Mercedes and Lewis's remarkable um, sort of points finishing record and you know, finishing the races, they rarely have mechanical DNFs and Lewis rarely DNFs due to driver error. Um, whereas Max had a few last season, some his fault, some not his fault. And that obviously could, you know, you could get a big swing at a race if Max retires and Lewis wins. That's, you know. There you are. Joe's called it that Hamilton's going to retire from a mechanical failure in Barcelona. Um... But yeah, I am fully aware that I've just... Uh, completely jinxed it but i'll make a note of that yeah. i am currently touching wood <laughs> that could that could be taken in a few ways joe on that note have we got anything to discuss uh before the spanish grand prix this weekend it's a back-to-back race jimmy what are your thoughts any predictions maybe hamilton might win <laughs> oh bold yeah but very bold yeah bottas might be on the podium who knows uh, and Verstappen, maybe he'll be second, maybe he'll be first. And on that staggering revelation, Joe, have you got anything that you think is going to happen in Spain? I think it'll be the most boring race of the season, but I mean... There's, there's a, I think, something like 20% chance it'll rain on Sunday. It'd be good if it... I'd, I'd like some rain. That'd really spice things up. Has it rained at Barcelona for the race? I don't think it has. I imagine it has in history. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I can't remember it for a while. Oh, no, I don't remember a wet race at Barcelona. But No, I, d- I don't think there has been either. Um, but yeah, it should be exciting, whether it rains or not, just to see what happens next in that battle between Hamilton and Verstappen. I feel a little bit sorry for Bottas that he, th- tried, he tried to get in the fight, but he's just not as quick as those two guys. They are the fastest two drivers in the world. Who's going to win? Well, we'll find out when they go to Barcelona this weekend. So that's your lot for the Portuguese Grand Prix review. Thank you again, Jimmy and Joe, for being brilliant guests as usual. And I look forward to speaking to you all very soon next week as we discuss the Spanish Grand Prix, which takes place this weekend. You can also read my Portuguese Grand Prix race review in my blog on ajonthelie.com. And don't forget that you can also leave a review or a rating of this podcast. And I'd really appreciate it if you could just spend a second there. Um, But yeah, I hope you enjoyed it and I'll speak to you all very soon. Thank you for listening. This has been Adam Williams on AJ on the Line.